Welcome to the Omnis Investments Club podcast. This podcast is for information only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. If you have any questions, please contact your financial advisor. Hello, everyone. I'm Rohit from Omnis Investments, and today I am talking to Rosemary Simmons, Investment Manager at Bearings. Welcome, Rosemary. How are you today? Hi there. Thanks so much for the opportunity to chat to you. I'm doing really well. Thank you. So before we start, a bit of, of, of a background on, on Rosemary. Rosemary is an investment manager and co-manager at Bearings uh, on the small cap strategies. She joined Bearings in September 2010 from Bailey Gifford, where she had worked for three years as an investment analyst. So clearly loads of experience in when it comes to, to investments. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper into that uh, when we talk to her. And the reason she's, she's here with me today is because Bearings took over the investment management responsibilities of the Omnis European Equity Opportunities Fund on 17th May 2021. So I wanted to speak to Rosemary as a key member of the portfolio management team there about their approach and the outlook for for the fund. Uh, But Rosemary, let's start a little bit with kind of bearings, because maybe not everyone is familiar with with bearings expertise. But what's your experience in European equity uh, funds in terms of managing uh, managing experience? Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, as you know, I've been at bearings since 2010. but Bearings has been investing in Europe and specifically European small and mid-cap equities for donkey's years, to be honest. So <laughs> Bearing Europe Select Trust, which I guess is our flagship European small mid-cap fund, that was established in, I think, 1984. Um, so it's, what would that be, 36 years old. And um, Nick Williams, who's a portfolio manager on this fund, on your fund, He's been managing Bearing Europe Select for 16 years. So he's been doing that for ages. And um, so I think hopefully that gives you some comfort that we've been doing this for quite a long time. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, we're blessed with a broader team of analysts and portfolio managers who also who manage other European products as well. So we've got it's not just it's not just us, the, the four small cap portfolio managers who are operating in isolation. We're we're blessed with a, a breadth of other individuals who bring insights to our to our process, to our to our team, and to our portfolios. Great, thank you, and 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 that's part of the reason we were so impressed with the team is the the experience you have, um, particularly as you said in those kind of smaller and, and mid sized companies, um, especially because the fund has to invest at least fifty percent in those smaller and, and, and mid sized companies. Um, so I guess a question for you is. How hard is it to find opportunities in these smaller companies? And you know, you mentioned just now that uh, when, when we were talking before hitting record, that you had three company meetings this this morning. But you're you're doing all of this remotely. Um, is, has it been quite challenging the last year? Well, I think to your first point, how hard is it to find opportunities in the small mid cap universe? I mean, to me, the reason I've invested my entire career looking at small mid cap companies is because there's a huge universe of potential opportunities. That's the joy of it, to be honest, is that there's such a diverse universe out there. Um, the challenge, the principal challenge really is distilling it down to find the best ideas to invest in for our clients. Um, and so that's really what what we try and do really is to, to distill that down by focusing on things like liquidity, making sure that you know, we can buy and sell shares in the companies pretty readily. You know, we don't want to get stuck in something that we can't we can't get out of at the price that we want to get out of. 
That's why we focus on things like shareholder relations, you know, companies where the management team will meet with us and talk with us and acknowledge that, that you know, we are the owners on behalf of our clients of, of the companies. Um, make sure we focus on companies that have strong balance sheets, you know, that, that in an environment like the last year, they can continue to function. They've got enough cash. They don't need to, you know, go to the banks and ask for, for loads of capital at, you know, desperate rates. We want to make sure that, that we're finding companies that are quality, companies that are growing, and companies that aren't too expensive, that are trading on a reasonable price. And importantly, you know, we really place a lot of emphasis on the ESG credentials of a business, so the environmental, social, governance, that, that bits of a company that, you know, what they're doing there is moving in the right direction, that they care about things that we think are important. Um, but importantly, that you know, we see upside, you know, when we're investing in companies, we're investing in them at the right time where the shares aren't fully valued because we're identifying something exciting about that business that the rest of the market isn't seeing. Um, so I guess, I, you know, for me, that's such a small caps and mid caps are such an exciting area because even though their performance track record has been amazing, they are still under research. They're still undercovered by people who work at investment banks. You know, so we are able to identify unrecognized growth, unrecognized opportunities um, in a way that hopefully will add value for your clients over the longer term. And I think to your point, you know, about um, company meetings, you know, that's a fundamental part of our process. You know, it's a really important part of our due diligence. It's one of the reasons we love the job because you know, we can speak to the decision makers, the, you know, we can speak to the CEOs. So this morning I was on um, conference calls with, with the CEOs of three companies in Scandinavia, you know, and I can hear what they're seeing on the ground, what they're thinking about the future of their business, what their plans, their ambitions are. You know, when you speak to the CEOs, you're not hearing a distilled version of, of what they're thinking, you know, that you hear from an investor relations person. You're hearing it really from the horse's mouth and, and that helps you to make informed decisions. And, and when you're making your five-year forecast, which is what you do, you're basing it on, you know, the real intel from the horse's mouth. And I think that makes it, it makes it really fun, <laughs> but it makes you have a lot of confidence in, in, in your investment decisions and your investment thinking. Great, thanks. And, and you mentioned there uh, ESG, so environmental, social and, and governance. And we've just published our kind of ESG guide where we look at how all our funds uh, rank uh, from, from an ESG perspective. Um, I was going to ask you whether, you know, do you implement ESG because we've asked you to, but you've kind of already said that that's an important consideration when thinking about going into, into a company. How do you think about ESG? Well, yeah. And I think I think that's completely right. You know, we we started to think about directly implementing some kind of ESG structure back in 2015, because really what was happening was there were all these we were coming across all of these issues that kept popping up, you know, and we were we were doing it in a kind of ad hoc way. We were having the same conversations with companies and we wanted to start doing it systematically and we wanted to build it into our process because we've got a very clear process where we have templates and Everyone completes the same template. Everyone sings off the same hymn sheets. And we wanted to embed these kind of non-financial issues that we were talking about in a structured way. So from 2016, we started to actively integrate ESG considerations into our research. Because 
I mean, effectively, we think about it as a non-financial risk and a non-financial opportunity. Um, and we wanted to group it all together under one umbrella because we believe that ESG considerations, so you know how a company acts with regards to the environment, how they think about it, how they talk about it, how they treat their staff, you know, from a social perspective, how they treat their communities, how they think about themselves as part of a community, how they're governed, you know, how they treat shareholders, how they treat their staff. All of these things are fundamental to a company's quality. So when we're scoring a company qualitatively, we're scoring their franchise, we're scoring their management, and we're scoring them on the basis of their balance sheet. You can't score those things without considering ESG. You know, it's it's fundamental to how you score them qualitatively. But we also think that it's 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 a fundamental part of how you value businesses. You know, it's a risk, it's an opportunity. And so all of our ESG considerations actually directly influence our cost of risk, which directly influences our price targets. So even if you'd asked us not to include ESG into our, we couldn't have done it. You know, we can't divorce ESG from our process. It's so deeply embedded in what we do and how we think, you know, how we debate companies. ESG is part of those debates on every single company that we discuss. Great, thanks. And it's, I think it's really encouraging to hear that. And, and it's part of, you know, when we spoke to you initially around the, the portfolio and how you'd manage the strategy, you know, that, that came through really strongly that, you know, you can't separate ESG out of the, the investment process. So, so thank you for kind of just uh, very eloquently describing that because uh, I think it's really, really helpful. Um, you mentioned uh, Nick as part of the team earlier. You mentioned yeah. the underlying investment analysts. Who is involved in the funds that's managed by that you manage on, on behalf of Omnis? Yeah, well, so there are there are four co-portfolio managers. So the four of us work together, um, which is a total joy, to be honest, because, well, Nick, Colin and I, so there's Nick Williams and Colin Riddles and I, we've worked together since 2010, so for a lifetime. <laughs> and Will, Will Cast joined us um, four and a half years ago. So there are four of us on who are on the portfolio management team, if you like, and we are co-portfolio managers. Um, and I think what unites us is a passion for what we do. It's, it's a real belief that we can add value through um, bottom-up stock selection, that we've got an amazing opportunity in European small mid-caps, European equities. Um, and we think that our process, so which we, we characterise as quality growth at a reasonable price. Those are the kinds of companies that we're looking for. We all believe in, in that process. Um, so that unites us. We think that's the best way to analyse our universe and to generate the best risk-adjusted returns for our clients over time. So we, we love our job. We love meeting companies. We love analysing businesses. Um, and we've all invested our entire career in doing this. <laughs> um, but beyond that, we're quite different people. We think very differently. Um, we come at things from a different perspective. So, I mean, it's hard to characterise, but I think Nick is very keen on, say, management teams who bring out the best in their businesses. You know, he likes it if he sees a company that shrinks to grow or gets rid of underperforming bits. Colin is a bit of a forensic accountant. He's he's the sceptic of the group, if you like, Um Will gets really excited by high growth, innovative companies. Um, I like spending a lot of time looking at companies, competitive advantages, identifying moats, that kind of thing. Um, 
but we're all looking for the same type of companies. I guess just sometimes we arrive at them from a different angle, if you like. But I think the important thing to reinforce is that the four of us don't operate in isolation. So Bearings Equity Department is made up of 45 analysts. And um, our job, the four of us, is a stock picker. So we come up with ideas, but we also um, act as kind of gatekeepers into the portfolios. So we get ideas from other analysts and we make sure that that we're on board with them. We understand them. We help, you know, we help them be born, if you like, into the portfolio. And I think just to be clear, I mean, not all 45 analysts are focused on Europe, but I think What's really great is that it's a it's a collegiate team. So even our analysts who look at the Hong Kong market or who are based in Hong Kong and look at China, they really inform our debate and our thinking about companies. So, for example, one lively debate at the moment is on sporting goods companies. So, you know, the likes of Puma, Adidas, Nike. You know, it's great to be able to hear what's happening in the Chinese market, you know, what the Chinese sporting goods distributors are saying, what Li Neng and Anta Sports are doing, how they're being innovative and challenging, you know, the the Western consumer goods companies. Or another point, I guess everyone's talking about chip shortages in the supply chain. Being able to talk to our Hong Kong-based colleagues who are talking to the chip companies all the time that really makes us feel that we're making informed decisions based on very current information um, and hopefully helps to inform our investment decisions and make us make better, better stock selection decisions and portfolio decisions for our clients. Great. And it sounds like the four of you complement each other quite well in terms of your, the way you, what, what you're looking for. But do you ever disagree? Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. Um, I think I think fundamentally we're all looking for the same things but I think what we really like to do is make sure that we challenge each other because we all like a, a debate I'll put it politely and call it a debate <laughs> rather than an argument and I think we all appreciate it if we come up with an idea and we bring it to the table one it won't be a surprise to anyone because we've all been investing in this universe for quite a long time and two, typically when we meet companies, we don't meet them on our own. We like to meet them with our colleagues. But we each, every stock that's in our portfolio will have one named analyst. So we own the decision. And I think when, when I'm coming with a new idea, I really like it to be challenged. I really like to make sure that, that I'm pressed on it to make sure that, 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 that we understand what we're investing in. We're all on board that, that our, our five-year growth targets have been challenged to make sure that we're being rational we're being considered we're not getting we're not falling in love with the companies because that can happen as well to make sure that that yeah we're making the right decisions for the right reasons at the right time because I think that's one thing that we try and do is not fall in love with companies not hold them and introduce a huge amount of volatility we make sure that we're investing in them at the right time when there's unrecognized growth when we're seeing something that the rest of the market isn't seeing. And I think that's where we try and keep each other honest and make sure that we're not we're not falling in love with businesses and giving them a kind of easy ride. So we make sure that we challenge each other's assumptions and, and yeah, make sure that we're making the right decisions for the right reasons. Thanks. And a final question for me, and this might be a little bit of an unfair question because I know that 
you, you, you and the team focus entirely on finding companies that are, are good and look at individual companies. But obviously everything we hear in the media is how Europe has lagged, you know, the UK, the US in terms of vaccination r- rates, and therefore their economic recovery is likely to be lagging ours. What's your outlook on, on, on the European economy? And as a result of that, are there specific type of companies that you are currently more interested in? I think I think you pull out exactly the right um, the right emphasis in that, you know, I don't think my core strength is in macroeconomic forecasting. <laughs> and I, I don't think you would be that encouraged if I did say that was my strength, because really what we're trying to do is find businesses who are going to outperform whatever environment they're in. We're looking for quality businesses with a great management team. Who are trading on attractive valuations and to be honest if anything a bit of a negative noise around the outlook for europe gives us some valuation opportunities because i think europe has often been unloved <laughs> you know I, I can't during the course of my career it's seldom that that everyone is most excited about europe but that allows some great companies to fly below the radar and to trade on attractive multiples. And I think that's really fundamentally what we're looking for. I mean, in the background, yes, I totally agree in terms of vaccinations, in terms of lockdowns. There have been some strategic missteps in Europe, potentially. But to be honest, the consumer saving rates are quite high. Consumer confidence is good. We're seeing strong manufacturing data. Companies, the best companies have really knuckled down worked on their cost base, focused on their core expertise and potentially could be coming out of this crisis stronger. And those are the kind of businesses that we're trying to identify to invest in for our clients. Um, So I've kind of dodged the question there slightly, but I think that probably is a fair representation of how we spend our time and what we're spending our time thinking about. No, and absolutely, you know, I I, I very deliberately asked you that question, knowing that the reason we appoint you know, the likes of yourselves to run our funds is because we want you to go and look for good companies and, and not focus on the the noise that is that, that, that is around. I mean, if you can use the noise around it to your advantage and find, you know, companies that are trading cheaper than their value as a result of that, great, even even better. But absolutely no, that 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 very much sits as part of what we would want you to to be doing within the the, the fund. Uh, Rosemary, thank you so much for for, for being uh, here today. Thank you for uh, taking on the fund. Uh, best of luck. And, uh, you know, I think you know, it'd be great if you could come back in a few months and just give us uh, your, your view of how things have gone since you've taken over. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity today and also for the trust that you've placed in us. And hopefully we live up to it and we'll do a good job for you and your clients. Great. Thank you so much and see you soon. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Omnis Investments, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.